Hello, everybody, and welcome to From Plum Creek with Love, a Little House on the Prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez. I would like to begin today's podcast with a special announcement. Starting with this episode, the rating on this podcast will be switched from clean to explicit. Oh, goodness. Now, what does that mean, dear listeners? Actually, it really doesn't mean anything. When I look through my analytics on Anchor, I see that my average age range is 18 and over. However, it doesn't say whether or not my audience is listening with a younger demographic in the room, in the car, or wherever you happen to be listening to this podcast. And I will confess that that is one of those things I had not thought about. So, I do want to apologize. However, this is my podcast. And I am sharing my first-time experience of watching Little House on the Prairie for the first time. And the recaps I share, as well as the additional commentary, is my initial reaction. And so... Just to make things easier for everyone to decide whether or not they want to continue listening to this podcast and without compromising my own thoughts and feelings, I'm simply just going to switch this podcast rating to explicit. Now, does it mean I'm going to swear or get gratuitous and raunchy? No, not at all. Nothing's going to change other than that rating. And with that being said, let's get started on today's recap. Today's episode is entitled Quarantine. The episode debuted on January 17th, 1977, and was written by John Hopkins and directed by Victor French. We begin with an evening shot, and it's a rather close shot of a torch rather menacing. In fact, there are a number of them surrounding the pier of an unnamed town. And at this moment, a well-known red plaid shirt is making its way towards that pier by boat. It's Mr. Edwards, and he's bringing Doc Baker in. So is this town an isolated lake town, or are they simply just crossing the river? As the boat approaches, Three guardsmen at the dock approach. They cock their rifles and yell out, Turn around! This is as far as you're going. Damn. This is real. It is announced that the town has mountain fever. 20 cases of it. But don't worry, veterinarian Doc Baker is here. He announces that he was brought here by Dr. Quimby's request. It's at this moment one of the guardsmen announces, Well, we've already buried six while we've been waiting for you. As Doc Baker is getting out of the boat, Mr. Edwards is busy tying it up to the docks. One of the guardsmen inquires, Who is he? We're told he's a friend. Mr. Edwards informs everyone he's had the mountain fever before, and he doesn't have to worry about it. However, the guardsmen, they're not having it. They tell Mr. Edwards to stay right where he's at. Orders are only Doc Baker is allowed in. Mr. Edwards and Doc Baker part ways. 
And as he walks away, we are informed that the local hotel has now been turned into a hospital. Back over at the pier, Mr. Edwards leaves the tethered boat and heads to get some coffee. And from the dark, we hear, You don't want that coffee? And from the darkness steps a rather inebriated fellow. And I swear, I can smell through the screen how drunk this man is. And at this moment, he offers Mr. Edwards a shot of Giant Killer. Mr. Edwards graciously accepts the bottle, wipes off the lip, and takes a swig. The drunk man announces, that will keep the spots away. Mr. Edwards adds to it, eh, it will take the antlers off of an elk as well. Thanks. And as Mr. Edwards turns to leave, the drunk man takes another swig and repeats the phrase, it will keep the spots away. As it is immediately revealed that said spots are on drunk man's forearms. Cut to the Sanderson estate. Grace is outside doing the laundry. Carl and little Alicia come out for goodbye kisses before heading to school. And at this moment, Mr. Edwards announces his return. And little Alicia runs over to him and up into his arms she goes. Face palm. It's a nice little happy reunion. Grace fusses about Alicia's dress getting dirty because of the close contact with Mr. Edwards' dirty clothes. And she continues by saying, it's best to say hello at a distance until we can clean up and get clean clothes on. Coincidence? Grace then sends the kids to school. And, well, Grace is currently obsessed with cleanliness. Clean clothes, washing up, boiling water. After all, they do say that cleanliness is next to godliness. And we know Grace's feelings. And from there, we cut to school. There's a bunch of chattering going on because Miss Beetle is out of the room. That's when Nellie Olson pretends to play leader teacher and heads to the front of the room and calls attention. P.S. Rosemary is in class today and her hair is down in pigtails once again. FYI, Joey Bowers and Henry McGinnis, nowhere to be seen. As Nellie Olson continues to try to get the student body's attention, the student body is not having it. And that's when Nellie Olson announces that she would like to read something to the class. The student body replies with a number of boos. Nellie Olson slams a ruler down on the desk, then proceeds to read from Miss Beetle's newspaper. Little Willie, with a shout, gouged the baby's eyes out, stomped on them to make them pop. Mother cried, now Willie, stop. And, oh my goodness, what kind of poem is this? The student body continues to laugh, and Willie, over by the blackboard, says, It doesn't say that. P.S. Willie at the blackboard is doing math, and he thinks that 5 times 1 equals 6. Meanwhile, Nellie Olson confirms that it does indeed say that in the newspaper. In fact, she reads a second poem. Little Willie, in a bright new sash, fell into the fire and was burned to an ash. I guess with John Jr. gone, we have a new poet, Laurent, in Walnut Grove. 
As the classroom continues to laugh, Willie rushes to his sister Nellie, tries to grab the newspaper out of his sister's hand, and that's when... Busted. Miss Beetle returns to the room with Mr. Hansen. I forgot about this pairing. The two of them are sent to their seats, and Miss Beetle says they will discuss that behavior later. But first, Mr. Hansen has some news. And he tells the student body that Elmsville, the name of the town at the very beginning of the episode, that there is mountain fever there, and how it's taking a lot of lives. And, um, is this something the kids should really know? Do they travel to Elmsville by themselves at any point? And this is when Mr. Hansen, head of the school board, suspends school till the threat is over. This all seems too familiar. And of course the kids are excited. They're not in school. It's like extra days off until they are told to head directly home. No playing with others, heading to other people's houses or farms. Go directly home. You are all under quarantine until further notice. And yes, Nellie Olson, that does include Sunday school. After Mr. Hansen leaves, Miss Beetle makes the announcement that everyone should take their books, their assignments, and go straight home. She's making up for the blizzard and to stay there until further notice. Laura raises her hand and inquires, Do you think the fever will come here, Miss Beetle? And Miss Beetle's only response, I pray to God it doesn't. We cut to a close sign in the window of the post office. There's a slow zoom out and a panning shot to reveal very empty streets of Walnut Grove. Even more than usual. And back at Plum Creek, homework time shifts to meal time. With Caroline trying to make the meal, Mary moving the homework aside, and Laura trying to set the table, Carrie has decided to start practicing her art skills again. On top of Laura's homework. And well, they start to fight. As the arguing continues, this is when Charles enters the house and wants to know what is going on. And OMG, this episode is so on the mark at this moment. As Charles works on cooling down this fight, Caroline in the background says, I declare, with all the children and the schoolwork, this house is getting smaller and smaller. Sounds like Caroline was used to having a very empty house for quite some time. Looking at Laura's homework in her tablet and Carrie's art at the same time, Charles inquires why Laura is in such a rush to get her work done. Laura lets it be known, I would have given her a sheet of paper if she would have asked. Now I have to do my homework all over again. She's in a rush to get her homework done because she figures if she's all cut up with work and it's a sunny day, she can go fishing. And while Charles does give her permission to head out to the fishing hole, but she has to make sure that her homework is done correctly. Four out of the five problems are wrong. Charles continues that part of quarantine is to keep adults and children from bunching up. And Laura claims there's going to be no one at the fishing hole. Charles, well, we don't know that. Exactly. Mr. Ebenezer Spray could be there. Or, heaven forbid, Johnny Johnson could be at the fishing hole. But Charles does assure Laura she can go swimming once the homework is done correctly. And Laura it's going to take too long. It will take me till tomorrow. 
and her point is she would rather go fishing today on a school day and not tomorrow which happens to be saturday we cut to old dan tucker mr edwards and carl constructing a rocking bassinet not entirely sure mr edwards mentions that how much they've gotten done since the sun has come up why is it so easy to get you out of bed when there's no school and not to sound rude towards mr edwards but i guess since mr edwards never had a formal education and had to get up early to go to school he just will never understand plus carl states school ain't nothing like working with you pa and i can learn a lot more too that's really sweet of carl you know what carl needs Carl needs vocational school. Just saying. Just then, Grace yells, hollers, cries for Mr. Edwards. It's little Alicia. She's woken up with spots and a fever. They tell Carl to stay at the barn, and Mr. Edwards runs inside to check little Alicia, who is damp with a fever and blotchy with those spots. And of course, my first thought is, is Mr. Edwards thinking, oh no, not again. And this is when he states it's his fault for bringing the mountain fever to Alicia. And his words are, just like I did before, the second time I brought it to my family. And he retells the story of his first wife and daughter. And Grace, in the background, looks as though she is hearing this for the very first time. Mr. Edwards bemoans the situation. I knew I couldn't get it. That's why I took Doc Baker. But what he didn't realize is that he could be a carrier. Grace tries to comfort, and in a first time ever, Mr. Edwards raises his voice. I told you to stay out there! He then instructs Grace to gather a few things, towels, a nightgown, a few other items, and this is when he picks up little Alicia and announces that he's going to take care of her and he's going to head out to his old cabin to do so. You know, his old cabin, the one the Gallander brothers occupied, the one that's in town. Facepalm. Again, he announces he's the only one who can do it. He's already had it and he can't have it again. Now stand back as I bring her out. And I can't help but wonder, what kind of cleaning protocol is there for the bedroom? The one that little Alicia shares with Carl. All through the night. And once he's outside, Mr. Edwards instructs Grace to bring food and his requested supplies, and then to immediately scrub the house, floors, walls, everything, and absolutely zero contact with anyone. With a little Alicia in arms, Mr. Edwards makes his way to the cabin, and from the sideline, Carl watches another one of his siblings leave the house. Over at Plum Creek, the quarantine situation seems a little calmer. Caroline is pulling fresh bread from the stove. Carrie is asking for more paper. My art! Laura is saying no, and Mary, ugh! I can't study in these conditions. Just give Carrie another piece of paper. Laura says no and tells Mary to do it instead. This leads to a bunch of raised voices and exchange between everyone about who will actually give Carrie another piece of paper. 
And truthfully, it doesn't matter because Carrie decides to take matters into her own hands and snags a piece of paper anyway. She is out of her seat and at the door when she is stopped by Charles as he is coming inside. We are informed over the next few moments that this is either day eight or nine of the quarantine. Amateurs, Caroline serving some shade. Ugh, it seems like it's been forever. And feeling as though things are all right, Charles decides that it's been nine days and nobody has a fever. Things are going to be fine. And this is when Charles suggests the girls take a break and head to the Sanderson estate. Laura, from her seat, are you sure it's safe? Charles, I don't see why not. And well, the scat is about to hit the fan. Charles heads out to the field. Caroline suggests that they bring some of that fresh bread and apple jelly, yum, over to the Sanderson estate. Laura volunteers to carry the apple jelly. Carrie volunteers as well. And Caroline decides that she'll bring both the bread and the jelly. Cut to the Ingalls girls gallivanting towards the Sanderson estate. And they are greeted by Grace outside yelling, stop, there's fever in the house. And she continues to inform them Mr. Edwards took little Alicia to his old cabin and how he fears he brought it with him from Ellsville. Oh, Caroline, it happened so fast. We've heard that quite a bit. Caroline offers prayers, leaves the basket of bread and apple jelly, and they return home. Back at Plum Creek, I just have to point out the prairie Airbnb in the background still is sporting its porch extension. Hooray for continuity. And well, since everyone has been out of the loop, Caroline decides it is time to share the news about Mr. Edwards and Alicia to Charles. She sends the girls out to pick raspberries with the promise that she'll be baking a pie later. Laura, being a little nervous, says, what if we're spotted? This from the person who wanted to go fishing a few days ago. After the girls leave, we cut to Caroline, out stomping to the death. Caroline is definitely working her bearer of bad news look. And as she's heading out to Charles, my only thought is, there she goes. There she goes again. We leave the adults and we cut to the girls picking raspberries. At least Mary and Laura are picking raspberries. Carrie is busy eating them. And FYI, this is the shade of red we have been looking for. However, Carrie is coming off as though she's been munching down on raw meat. There's a little banter back and forth picking on Carrie who's picked no raspberries. And this is when Laura comes up with possibly the worst idea ever. Her plan is to take a small pail of raspberries over to Mr. Edwards' old shack. Laura states that when you're sick, the things that you like taste especially good. Which I don't think that's entirely true, Laura. At this idea, Mary doth protest. Actually, she says, Pa will skin you for breaking quarantine. Laura promises that she'll stay away from other people. I'll just set the pail down knock and run. No one has to know. 
and Big Sister Mary, 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 makes Laura promise not to talk to anyone before she gives her permission to head on out. And well, we cut to Mr. Edwards and little Alicia, the first we've seen of them in nine days. Good to know they're still alive. Little Alicia is responsive and she asks for water, but specifically cold water, not room temperature. Leaving a damp rag on her head and telling her he will be right back, Mr. Edwards leaves. And this is when Laura comes to the shack. Meanwhile, inside, little Alicia is not doing too well and starts calling for Mr. Edwards. Papa, Papa, help me. And of course, Laura can hear this all from outside and she's conflicted until she decides to, I don't know if it's the right thing, but it's a thing. She opens the door and heads inside to help little Alicia. And well, little Alicia seems pretty responsive when she sees Laura. And that's when Laura gets busted. Mr. Edwards has returned with that water. And well, we get to see Papa Grizzly Bear Edwards doing and saying what has to be done to protect these two cubs that he loves. Needless to say, Laura flees the scene. And we cut to Mary and Carrie. Oh, yeah, they actually had to wait for Laura to return before they could all return to the house. And this is when Laura comes down and throws herself in between her sisters and proceeds to lie to them about what really took place. Facepalm. From a pail of raspberries and a close-up shot of Carrie's face to the remnants of said raspberry pie at Plum Creek. It's a somber night. Charles is wishing that there was something he could do for Mr. Edwards. Caroline mentions how Mr. Edwards thinks he picked up the mountain fever at Elmsville and brought it back. And this is when Charles lets it slip, because I'm not sure if the information about Mr. Edwards' first family is common knowledge in Walnut Grove. In fact, Laura's reaction, this is the second time it's happened, Laura then immediately inquires, is that how you get it? By being next to somebody who has it? Charles assures her that he's not sure, but it's happened to Mr. Edwards twice. Laura, realizing the severity of everything at this moment, listen as Charles states, let's pray the fever doesn't get loose in Walnut Grove the way that it did in Emsville. He even continues to say that Mr. Edwards said that once the spots appear, one out of every two patients dies. And I have to say that's relief. Just imagine if it was two out of two patients died. I think that would be the time to be worried. As Laura continues to sit at the table, it looks as though she's having the biggest oh-spit moment of her life. Well, at least during this episode. We cut to late night up in the loft. Laura is tossing, and she gets up, and she looks at her arm. And oh spit, 
Somebody has red specks on their arms. She gets out of bed, checks with a hand mirror, and identifies more spots on her body. She turns to look at her sister, who she's been sleeping next with side by side, and decides that she has to do something. She heads downstairs and at the table, opens her tablet and writes another note, notifying her family she is leaving in the middle of the night to go to Mr. Edwards' shack. Over at that shack, Mr. Edwards is still attending to little Alicia, who is still thirsty. Mr. Edwards, hate to say it, he's starting to look a little tired. And that's when there's a knock on the door. And yep, Laura's outside. From inside, Mr. Edwards tells her to scram, and she admits that she can't. She reveals she's sick too. Face palm, just what Mr. Edwards needs. Mr. Edwards opens the door, inspects, slash confirms, that Laura has mountain fever. Laura confesses she didn't want to give it to Ma, Pa, Mary, or Carrie, and she's invited inside. We cut to the next day. Charles is showing up in his wagon at the Edwards shack. Mr. Edwards is already outside and confirms to Charles that Laura is indeed inside, but to stay away. Mr. Edwards assures him that if you get it, no one can help. Laura sticks her head out. Listen to him, Pa. P.S. Laura looks blotchy, but also very healthy. However, Mr. Edwards is the one looking as though he's running a fever. Laura announces, I'm going to be just fine. And we cut to Charles and his rapid eye blinking as he announces he's off to go get Doc Baker. As she watches her parents leave, Laura states, the worst part about being sick is how sad it makes other people. Mr. Edwards, yeah, it's because they love you. And Laura stands there and watches her parents drive away. At Plum Creek, the family is helping to prepare Charles for his trek to retrieve Doc Baker. Caroline has overpacked food for him and says to continue to eat so that way you can keep up your strength and not get sick. Charles makes Caroline promise to stay put till he returns. You know, maybe she can start disinfecting the house? Just saying. Charles heads out and says he will be back in 24 hours. We cut to Charles in wagon en route to Emsville, and he is stopped by a very familiar Walnut Grove Extra, who's now playing an extra from a totally different town. We are informed Charles can't continue in the same direction. The farmers in the area have burnt the bridge down. It's a bit extreme. Charles is informed that he could get across at Cider Ferry, which is about one mile away. Be careful. Folks are mighty touchy. And I have to confess, there is a part of me that is yelling, it's a trap. We cut to Laura tending to little Alicia, and Mr. Edwards is returning with some firewood, you know, to help them get through the night. And Mr. Edwards is looking exhausted. In fact, we get a POV of him, and his vision is all distorted. And then he collapses. He's been pushed to the brink of exhaustion, making sure that little Alicia is safe. And it's now backfired on him. 
P.S. Laura is by far the healthiest looking individual in this cabin at this moment. Nurse Mr. Edwards makes it to bed, and candy striper Laura is now on the clock. P.S. We get one of those Victor French signature over-the-head shots at this time. Cut to those three guardsmen at Elmsville sitting at the dock of the river. They're having a bite to eat at the moment this evening. One is looking at the food on his plate. Did Dixon eat off of these plates? The other men who are scarfing down the food say, Yeah, but these plates have been clean. The first man, Yeah, but Dixon is dead now. And then shows some reluctancy to eat the food. And it's at this moment, Charles arrives in rowboat. Makes the announcement that they have mountain fever in Walnut Grove, and he's there to bring back Doc Baker. And while these guardsmen on duty say, one, there's no entry, and two, you'll get your doc back when he's done here. It should be noted at this time, Charles has made his way out of his boat and onto the dock, and those three guardsmen are standing there. And hearing how they will not give up Doc Baker, well, Charles is not having it. And that's when the closest guard gets a punch in the gut and tossed into the river. The second guard takes a swing at Charles and misses, and Charles takes the opportunity to hit the man in the face. And the third guardsman gets Charles from behind and knocks him out. They put him back in the boat and set him adrift. We cut back to Plum Creek. It's nighttime. We hear Caroline sobbing, and this is when Carrie crawls out of her own bed and starts to comfort her mom by stroking her head. At first, Caroline seems a bit confused of who is stroking her hair. And, well, they decide to give Carrie some speaking lines, and she tells her ma that everything is going to be all right, but then inquires, why are you crying? Little Carrie confesses she gets scared when adults cry. Big people cry when bad things happen, and I don't want nothing bad to happen which is by far one of the most grown-up things to come out of her mouth. Carrie then promises her mom that she won't cry if Caroline doesn't cry. Caroline makes the promise not to, and Carrie inquires if she can crawl under the covers. Permission granted. Back at the Edwards shack, Laura is back and forth between an exhausted nurse Mr. Edwards and a thirsty little Alicia. And it's at this moment, little Alicia, looking up at Laura, what are you doing here? Laura mentions how she has the spots. Alicia inquires how Laura is feeling. And Laura says, I'm feeling pretty good. Little Alicia follows up with, do you think we'll die? Well, Mr. Edward said, one out of two people will die once they have spots. I see two people. The odds are not looking good. And this is when little Alicia confesses that she's not going to go to heaven. I did a bad thing, and I was going to return it. She's talking about a hair ribbon that she took from the Olsons mercantile, and now she wishes she hadn't taken it. Laura says that it will be all right. Just ask God for forgiveness. Little Alicia immediately claps her hands and closes her eyes. I'll talk to him now. And upon opening her eyes, 
little Alicia asks that if she can't return it, would Laura? And Laura makes a promise that she will. Meanwhile, back at Elmsville Docks, Charles is trying a stealth amphibious approach. He's swimming across, boots and all. And those three guardsmen are playing, not drinking, gin. They're continuing to talk on and on, while over at the sides, Charles is slowly making his way up onto the deck. And we see what I'm assuming are Chinese characters on a box because the box underneath says Made in Hong Kong. And my first thought is, cool, more fireworks? But nope, they're just props that give Charles away as he knocks them over, and chasing ensues. We cut to Doc Baker inside the Emsville Motel Hospital, and we are introduced to Dr. Quimby, who's telling an orderly to remove another body. And at this moment, Charles runs inside. Doc, there's fever at Walnut Grove! This is when the guardsmen run inside and catch up with Charles. And because he needs to know, Doc Baker inquires who has the fever. Laura and little Alicia. Meanwhile, Dr. Quimby is yelling at the guardsmen for being fools for charging right into the hospital. Charles continues to talk to Doc Baker, informing him that nurse Mr. Edwards is the only one taking care of Laura and Alicia at this time. Dr. Quimby tells Doc Baker to go. There's nothing here now that I can't take care of myself. And he heads outside to talk to the guardsmen to allow Doc Baker and Charles to leave and get back to their boat. And from there, we cut to the Edwards shack. And Mr. Edwards, lying on bed, finally looking rested, gets a damp cloth thrown on his face. And startled, Mr. Edwards opens his eyes and we hear... You put a wet cloth on me. Little Alicia is up and out of bed. Actually, so is Mr. Edwards as he is checking all over. There is no spots and no fever. And he informs little Alicia, you're not going to die. You're going to live to be four years older than the mountains. You're well, baby. However, in regards to Laura, her situation really hasn't changed. She still has a bunch of spots, but no fever. And this is when Charles, Caroline, Grace, and Doc Baker show up in wagon. Mr. Edwards comes out and announces, Alicia's well. And Doc Baker, using his medical expertise and his eyesight, says that is true. Alicia is cured. And well, Charles just needs to know, what about Laura? And he goes to the door which happens to be locked, and Laura won't open it. I got the fever spots. And stepping forward, Doc Baker announces, I've seen them, and it's why I came back to look at yours, Laura. Laura promises to open the door once Charles has moved away. And with her paw, more than six feet away, Laura unlocks the door, and Doc Baker starts to investigate. Laura is super concerned about Doc Baker's safety, but Doc Baker says, if I haven't gotten it by now, then I'm never going to get it. Never going to get it. Never get it. And I'm not sure that's how it works. And looking at those spots on Laura, Doc Baker announces, you have no fever. 
just a rash because it's poison ivy. Apparently, someone did not learn anything on that leaf collection campout. Regardless, everyone laughs and hugs, and it's going to be a lovely day on the prairie now that quarantine is over. I had mentioned in my previous episode in regards to I'll Ride the Wind being a very kind of personal story for myself. And this episode, quarantine, I think it's a very personal story to everyone. However, there is one thing I would like to clear before we go ahead and get to reviewing and rating this episode, is everyone was quarantining to avoid getting the mountain fever. And Mr. Edwards claims that he doesn't have to worry because he already had the mountain fever and his first wife and his daughter both passed away from it. However, that's not the case. Thanks to copious notes and sometimes a very odd attention to details, but Mr. Edwards said that he and his family all suffered from smallpox. And of course, having either one of those two things would be terrible, but What's more terrible is that they keep selling the idea that mountain fever could pass from human to human. And in the case of smallpox, that is correct. But this mountain fever, a quick Google search will let you all know, as will I as I share this, is that mountain fever is a tick-borne disease. So if the people of Elmsville were just simply sitting around and let the ticks continue to feast on them, well then yes, that town did deserve a quarantine. However, it didn't pass through aerosols. So mountain fever and smallpox, not the same thing at all. Sorry, Mr. Edwards. So then I guess the big question is, what did the citizens of Elmsville have that required their quarantine? We know it's not typhus because that came from fleas and rats, but it's the prairie, 1870-something. So it could be anything. And with that, let's get to reviewing and rating this episode. I don't have children. Other than a bottle brush, long-haired orange cat, who is also my co-host. But I can imagine parents over the last few years, but more or less in 2020, can 100% relate with Caroline in this episode. I know Caroline loves her family and all, but she was throwing shade towards them throughout this. Loved it. And yeah, this episode hits, you know, close to home. Spread of infectious disease, the potential of spreading it to loved ones, breaking quarantine. I'm sure we can all raise our hand at one of those things. My major complaint about this episode, of course, has to deal with time. We know the children are all sent home And one early afternoon in the quarantine, Laura tries to get her way out of doing schoolwork and out to the fishing hole, which is paired up with the whole reveal Alicia has the sickness and Mr. Edwards taking them out to his cabin to take care of her. And so when we see the angles again, it's like nine days later. Yeah, it's nine days later, which doesn't seem too terrible because it was just a quick edit which is why I'm a little disappointed. They're in quarantine. They're cut off from everyone. How can we kind of build that suspense around them of what's going on in Walnut Grove since there really is no way to communicate with one another? There was no little Zoom on the prairie. 
a quick edit to the Sanderson estate, or to Mr. Edwards, or the Olsons, or what was Miss Beetle doing? Or heck, why not even check in with Doc Baker over in Elmsville? What are people's thoughts and feelings as this unknown epidemic for them is going around? Just such a wasted opportunity. And OMG, I gave myself the biggest facepalm when Mary said yes to Laura's request to go drop off that pail of raspberries over for Alicia. I hate to admit it, however, there was a part of me that was secretly hoping Laura would get infected and pass it to Carrie. Speaking of, however, let's talk about this week's Little House moment, which actually goes to little Carrie. And her mother-daughter conversation that she has with Caroline while Caroline is crying in bed. For some reason, this scene, Carrie seems wiser beyond her years. She's sharing her own thoughts and feelings about seeing the parents, the adults, cry. And I don't know about you listeners, but even over the years, that's never an easy thing to see. Yeah, Carrie captures the moment. Seeing big people cry means bad things happen. And who wants bad things to happen? But as mother and daughter learn, together, they can get through anything. However, special shout out to the scene earlier when Carrie is busy trying to steal more paper to draw on, Laura's trying to prevent it from happening, Mary's complaining she can't study in all the noise, and Caroline is in the background trying to maintain and bake bread. Just needs to be noticed. And with that, let's get to rating this episode. I will confess, there were a few times watching this episode where I just sat back and thought, oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember doing that too. You know, like going for a walk, but diving into bushes so nobody sees you if anyone else happens to be out. Okay, maybe I didn't dive into bushes, but I did pick up my pace. The beginning time of quarantine was interesting. Let's just say that. It was interesting. So I did enjoy this episode because of that, unfortunately. Of course, if it wasn't Carrie who was going to get sick, it had to be somebody young as well. So thank you, little Alicia, for taking one for the team. So all in all, I would say that the things that really bothered me the most about this episode was, as I already mentioned, the lack of kind of checking in with the other residents in the area to kind of allude to a passage of time a little bit. I mean, we check in with the Ingalls, but we know that Alicia is sick, but we don't find out her condition until jump cut and nine days later. And yeah, there's more people in town we can check in with. And again, to the writers, do your research, know the background. Mr. Edwards had smallpox. And then somebody do the research and tell them the difference between smallpox and mountain fever. And I guess, again, I am slightly disappointed, confused, of Mary's big decision to let Laura go off and get as close to patient zero as possible. And because of this, I am giving this episode, Quarantine, a 4.5 bonnet rating. And again, those are some of my thoughts and my feelings about this episode. And as always, I wouldn't mind hearing any of your thoughts or feelings about this episode or any previous episode or season. From Plum Creek with Love, 
at gmail.com or the Instagram account is how you can reach me. Once again, thank you to everyone who has continued to check in on this podcast and hoping wherever you at, it's bringing you a little bit of joy in the world. So again, just to reinstate, as of this episode, this podcast is now rated explicit. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez. And until next time, take care. Thank you.